And then he has to go to school the next day. (laughs) (laughs) None of the kids are doing well. Marco seems to be handling it the best out of everybody. Because, Mm -hmm. you know, he's used to dealing with lots of traumatic shit. And he's already trying to not think about, like, the anniversary of his mom's death. So, you know, it's great. Um, He sees Jake, pretends not to see him. He sees Rachel, who's got a dark look in her eyes, like she hadn't slept. Even Cassie seems grim. Um, and he thought one of those days it's, I thought it, one of us is going to go crazy. Totally locked me up in a rubber room nut. So it was too much. This wasn't how life was supposed to be. One of us would snap. One of us would lose it. It could happen even to strong people. I knew it had happened to my father. I used to think nothing could ever destroy him, but my mum's death had. And we get this little reflection of him explaining like what his dad used to do. How sort of things fell apart um, after uh, she died. And ugh, it sucks. <laughs> ugh. But uh, yeah, there's this line I know that uh, Jen highlighted um, about how uh, even strong people can fall apart, which has been labeled as big end of series feels right here. Mm. <laughs> I mean. Listen. Love to love to carry on reading Listen. series with a sense of foreboding. I have foreboding regardless. It's all good. <laughs> it, your foreboding is valid. But I, lo- I will love to suffer. <laughs> yep. Uh, but there's a there's this whole passage is just like Marco going through his day. No big deal. Passes um, his test. It's fine. Yep. It's it's very. In a different way from dissociating from his entire sense of self last night, he's dissociating from everything during the day here, where, you know, just like putting everything out of his mind, just kind of going through everything very mechanically. But I had to put that out of my mind, too. I had to put a lot of things out of my mind. It was getting to be a habit. Yeah. Like, just getting way too good at ignoring trauma Mm -hmm. in order to function. Mm -hmm. Mm-hmm. And then we get this moment here. Um, at lunchtime, he ends up sitting with Rachel, who doesn't even seem to notice in there. And this girl called Jessica shows up, bumps into Rachel, and it kicks off. And it's very good. Uh, Marco doesn't know if Jessica did it deliberately or not. She is the kind of girl who thinks she's tough. And they th- Rachel throws down. She grabs Jessica by the collar and like pushes the girl against the table. And Jessica's like bigger than Rachel. Like by like by like fifty pounds, um, and Je- Rachel's got this girl on a table, mm-hmm. and just like Rachel leaned over Jessica, and a voice of cold steel said, "Don't touch me." Jake's too far off to help, so Marco's like, Ugh. and like gets between the two of them, and the and Rachel's telling him to fuck back off, and Jessica's screaming, and um, he tries to push Rachel off, and then Jessica starts lashing out and hits him in the face. And she's like, yeah. and he's like, what are you hitting me for? <laughs> and then the teachers start showing up. Um, and then we're uh, in the assistant principal's office uh, with Chapman there. Ra- Jessica's being outraged. Rachel's just stony-faced. Marco is just like wondering whether my eye would just keep swelling up. And uh, Chapman's yelling um, what, about fighting and how Rachel's better than this. And Jessica's like, well, she, he says, and Rachel, you, Rachel, of all people. And Jessica's like, what, you like think she's better than me? And Chapman's like focused on Rachel, 
like, oh, is something the matter? Uh, Steve just said you started the fight. Are you okay, Rachel? Is there some kind of stress in your life? <laughs> and Marco's worried that Rachel's just going to turn around and go, yes, actually, I am a little stressed. I nearly got killed turning into an ant to sneak into your basement to fight you and the rest of your evil yerk friends. He does say, I knew Rachel was too cool for anything like that, but then I would have said she was too cool to start a fight in the lunchroom. So Marco pulls a Marco. Mm-hmm. Uh, it's my fault, Mr. Chapman, I said. Your fault? His eyes narrowed. Yes, sir. Um, They were fighting over me? See, they both want me. They're both madly in love with me, and I can certainly understand why, can't you? <laughs> <laughs> Jessica's like, are you crazy, you little toad? And she's shrieking, but uh, when I glanced over at Rachel, I saw just the slightest little smile, or slightest little tugging at the corner of her mouth, the beginnings of a smile. And Chapman yells some more and tells them I want to make appointments with the counsellor and then lets them out. Um, And then we have this great moment between Rachel and Marco where she's just like, I wish I could do what you do. And says about how he's um, always thinks things are funny. It's why you're so cool and in control. And he's like blue screening that Rachel thinks (laughs) he's in control. (laughs) And how um, she says how the night before got to her and that Marco... You really grind my nerves sometimes, Marco, always joking the way you do, but keep it up, okay? We need a sense of humour. To which point he does what he does, which humour. You thought I was kidding? You mean you and Jessica aren't both insanely in love with me? And she's like, <laughs> dream on. Um, but it's like he's continuing the gag for her benefit. Mm-hmm. She's just said we need a sense of humour, so he carries on the joke. Also, And she just had a very vulnerable moment, which is mm-hmm. oh, yeah. not easy for her, so he's kind of downplaying it, you know, like... Mm-hmm. I'm not going to acknowledge that you just bared your soul to me, so we're just going to make another joke. <laughs> yep. Also, just the subtle reinforcing of roles. Mm-hmm. Yes. Uh, so a couple of days after the ant episode, they go to visit Axe again. Um, they don't know... Uh, actually, this is an interesting... This is an interesting point that I didn't see when I read through earlier. Mm-hmm. A couple of days after the ant episode, we hooked up again in the fields of Cassie's farm, up against the trees of the forest. This was one area we definitely had to keep safe. It was the only place we had to keep Axe if this mission to help him escape failed. Uh, so, setting that up as mm-hmm. a thing. Um, Tobias figures out that there is... Um, the the reason this is a question is because they don't want to <laughs> they don't want to trigger the Call distress button, beacon here. Down. Yeah, yeah, um, like next to Cassie's house. Yeah, no, no big that. deal. <laughs> no Tobias big figures out that, or he's the one who says, "Hey, there's a gravel quarry nearby. That there's almost never one, never anyone there. Um, it's only about an hour's flying time away." Um, Axe picks up a bird. <laughs> Axe picks up a bird more. <laughs> Quick question. Uh-huh. Do Andalites have a cap on the number of morphs? No. Yeah. Figured. Uh, neither do the kids. But the kids also don't really know that yet. Like, they're continuing to pick up morphs, but... As, Danielle, like, are you telling me that we could have more than six morphs in <laughs> dumb kids? Listen. You can't. They can. Yeah. Listen, I when I was playtesting that game... I ran into the very real problem where if you tell people they have unlimited number of morphs, they acquire everything. Ah, Mm. and it grinds the game to a halt. Um, so you have to limit it, 
and and so the way I balanced it was saying you can always switch out however like however many times you need it's fine um but yeah so the they don't actually have a limit to morphing so Axe is like yes I'll, I'll pick up a bird morph I have admired Tobias's shape it is truly wonderful in every way the sharp talons the beak much better than the human body not that I mean to offend it's just that humans have no natural weapons I love that I miss, he's like I miss Mattel and Mario, uh, Mario. Marco is just like no offense taken but you're wrong about humans having no natural weapons you marinate human feet in a pair of old tennis shoes for a few hours on a hot day and you'll see a deadly weapon just like <laughs> you fucking nerd <laughs> uh, but they they make the uh, plan of what they're doing Marco cracks a gag about not being ants trying to make a joke and everyone's like solemnly like okay yeah no no ants Mm-hmm. And Marco makes a revelation about the stuff we're talking about doing fighting taxons and Hawk Bajir, and you think that was scary, but now it's the ant that scares him more. Mm-hmm. Um, yeah. And then we have this moment uh, Jake and Marco walk home for a while. They talk about normal stuff. Mm-hmm. And, you know, and I love this that Marco's like, I was stalling because I didn't want to have to tell him what I had decided. But Jake's been my friend forever. He knows me. Marco, what's the problem? It's like, what do you mean? I mean, you haven't said a single mean yet funny thing the whole way. That's not you. And that's when Marco lays out that this is going to be the last thing he does mm-hmm. with the animals that he's done. And nobody's going to guilt him into staying. He's done. And given the traumatic experiences that he especially keeps getting to have as well. <laughs> yep. Fair. Yep. <laughs> uh, and Jake's like, you're right. You know, you've done plenty. And Marco's just like, one day we're not going to pull it off. And then he's just like, the ants would have killed us. Before that, it was a pot of boiling water. Before that, I was practically killed by sharks. Enough mm-hmm. is enough. And Jake's like, you're right. And Marco's surprised that Jake's taking it so well. Um, and then just like, I was surprised that he took it so well. I guess I shouldn't have been. We all kind of treat Jake like he's the leader, but he's never been pushy about it. Yeah. Jake asks him what he's going to do Sunday, which is like the day after the mission, effectively. And he's like, I don't know. Some Sundays we go to my mum's grave, leave flowers and all, but this is the two-year thing. He shrugs, I don't know, man. And Jake nods, just like, but I'll tell you one thing, Jake, a year from now I don't want my dad going to leave flowers at two graves. Mm-hmm. Yeah. Mm-hmm. You know, fun thoughts for 13-year-olds. <laughs> yep. This whole conversation with Jake really reads like Marco had built up this whole argument and like practiced mm-hmm. all of his mm-hmm. all of his reasoning, and- all of his reasoning and all of his uh, comebacks about it. And then Jake was just like, yeah, OK, yeah, yeah you're okay. right. Yeah, OK, you have yeah, done you're enough. right. You're absolutely right. <laughs> and so it's it just kind of like falls fa- all of his stuff falls flat. And so he's kind of left floundering <laughs> almost. Mm-hmm. Um, Two kind of ways to look at it. One, and we mentioned this uh, in our book one episode, is that Jake is very emotionally aware. Mm-hmm. He probably knew that Marco was having doubts and isn't going to push him. The more cynical way of looking at it is that Jake's like, yeah, no, I support this because he knew that Marco would change his mind. Mm-hmm. Yeah. But he couldn't ask Marco to stay. Marco has to choose to stay. Yes. Because mm-hmm. if he tried to force him, it would break things. Mm-hmm. Because I do think Marco would have eventually, maybe maybe left for a little bit, but I, I do think he eventually would have been in the Animorphs, even if oh, what happens later in this book doesn't didn't happen. 
yeah, the the way he talks uh, in the final in the final closing chapter about his reasoning, mm-hmm. he would have come to that. Yeah, mm-hmm. especially Absolutely. with what what his dad does at the end of this book. Yeah, um, mm-hmm. you know, yeah, I I think that he he wouldn't have the argument that like I am the only thing my dad is clinging to life for. Right. Mm-hmm. Um, which kind of turns that corner. Yeah. It doesn't. It doesn't really stop being true, but mm-hmm. uh, it uh, the gravity is different. Mm-hmm. But also, it's like making a choice to do something, even though it's hard and scary. Mm-hmm. Yeah. And I do love these little scenes that we get them occasionally with Jake and Marco mm-hmm. of kind of trying to keep their old friendship. You know, talk about normal things, sports and superheroes and video games and whatever. And I, I really like that. And we get a few moments of, of them where we see, like, oh, yeah, they are best friends. And they have been best mm-hmm. friends since they were very, very small. Mm-hmm. You know, in the last book, when Marco says, you know, Jake, you know, I, you know I can't swim. You know, and they, mm-hmm. they know each other in a way that the others mm-hmm. don't. And yeah. I wish we got more of that with Rachel and Cassie. Me too. Because I feel like with Rachel and Cassie, we're told over and over again, they've been best friends forever. But we never see any evidence of that there's the one moment when cassie notices rachel's little bulletin board and how Mm -hmm. the quotes have changed and that is in 54 books that's really the only thing we get of their friendship yeah that's disappointing oh yeah spoilers sorry well or anti-spoilers i don't know (laughs) but it's yeah between rachel and cassie it's i get the impression that maybe rachel was closer to melissa Mm-hmm. earlier and mm-hmm. having when you not that you can't be super duper close to someone to multiple people but when you split your attention amongst different friends mm-hmm. um who are not necessarily friends with each other who are not necessarily I, friends we, with each other i don't think exactly. melissa and, and cassie were friends yeah and i think i think it just divided her time yeah between them um and i think also that Rachel changes so much so fast. Yes. That <clears throat> we don't necessarily have those same moments of connection. True. Um, yeah. Because Rachel's kind of like, no, yeah, this was my calling. Yeah. Um, yeah. So, I don't know. It It is disappointing, definitely. Mm-hmm. Um, we do get some... Mm, some good 19 shit, but that's drama. That's not, uh, oh yeah. That's not, uh, that's not fluffy friendship. That's not fluffy friendship. Feels that's like, <sighs> it's fine. It's totally fine. Um, so after this meeting between Jake and Marco, um, they all fly out to the quarry. Um, there, Axe is super excited because flying is really awesome. It was the most excited he'd been since he discovered coffee. <laughs> <laughs> and I love how Marco's just like, which is cool because flying really is wonderful. Yeah. Mm-hmm. And like he and he, Axe and Tobias are like going back and forth about bird eyes and how they're better than fucking Andalite and human eyes. <laughs> and then Marco's just like, remember the good old days when we used to argue over who had the best jump shot, not who had the best bird eyes? 
Because mm-hmm. Tobias is like, I think mine may actually be a little better than yours. Meaning the red tailed <laughs> hawk versus the harrier. It's very cute. Um, <laughs> the kids are flying. Um, they sort of kept made sure they went over birds because they ho- they're hoping there's no bird watchers down there. Mm-hmm. Uh, given that they are two ospreys, a red tailed hawk, a falcon, a harrier, and a bald eagle. Bit of a weird little <laughs> flock. Um, bird watchers also. And Rachel's also carrying what looks like a TV control. Um, <laughs> she's the biggest bird, so she gets stuck lifting the weight. <laughs> and uh, we had this little moment where Mark is just like, I haven't had an idea. Let's just blow off this suicide mission and spend the day flying around. And Cassie's like, sounds good to me. She meant it to be lighthearted. It, it sounded just a little too serious. It's just like, <laughs> babies. Uh, and is like, there's the quarry, dead ahead, dead ahead. Excellent choice of words. <laughs> Uh, they get down into the quarry. Um, I they... love that Marco always brings up the shoe thing. Yep. It's great. Yep, he always brings up the shoe and the motley collection of morphing clothes. Mm-hmm. And Rachel's <laughs> like, don't start with the... <laughs> we look like a trapeze act from a cheap circus. Way too much spandex. Don't start with the uniforms again, Rachel said. <laughs> he, he continues to think they need decent superhero uniforms. Um, but then we get this of, whiplash. Uh-huh. What were you saying, Jen? I was going to say, and then he kind of has a moment where he's like, ooh, maybe, you know, I need to cool it with that joke because I'm not going to be around. I'm not going to be in the group, mm-hmm. you know, after this. Yep. Uh, I, I love this ahead. reflection. I couldn't tell if Jake had told any others I was quitting. Probably he hadn't told Cassie. I doubted Rachel knew or she would have said something. The same with Tobias. Mm-hmm. And Axe, who knew with Axe? He was still a mystery to us. It was one of the things I would miss after I quit. I mean, how often do you get to hang out with a real alien? That and the flying. I would miss the flying. But if I was out, I had to be out all the way. I guess I must have looked morose sitting there on a pile of rocks thinking. Jake come over, came over and gave me a shove. You know, in a friendly way. Um, and they all head back <laughs> under an overhang out of sight. Um, Everyone, oh, great! Mm-hmm. The rocks will fall and crush us, and we don't have won't have to worry about the X. <laughs> um, and they all, they all morph battle morphs. Yeah, it sounds so wistful. It's adorable. Yeah. Yeah. yeah, I mean, this is like the group. This is this is the squad. This is the squad. This is the gang. Mm-hmm. <laughs> and I have feelings. Yeah. Um, so Rachel goes elephant, Jake becomes the tiger, Cassie becomes the wolf because she's decided to use that as her, uh, battle morph. Uh, Marco becomes the gorilla. Um, it's just, it's very, the thing is, it's very evocative, the whole series as a whole, because we have the slightly upsetting descriptions of morphing, Mm -hmm. but then the banter of them with each other. Mm hmm. Uh, about who could win and then mm-hmm. um, it's just very sweet and good natured and we have this great little moment of like wolf Cassie nuzzling tiger Jake yeah I'm Marco being a little jealous yeah I got <laughs> I say mocked uh, I made a comment when we were recording a session of dumb kids where I referred and I know it's a bang path thing of uh, Adrian in dog morph as dog Adrian which people seem mm-hmm. to find very funny I'm just like how else would you describe it like yeah. but yeah so I will I will use animal explanation yeah. point person. Yeah. Because it's good and cute. Yeah. Bang paths are the only way to go, really. 
Yeah. Um, um, God, it's it's so amusing because we have this bit, um, and Axe is just like you. Uh, animals are amazing on your planet. Um, someday when the eggs are defeated, Andalites will come here simply to try out the many animal forms. It would be like a vacation, to which Marco just goes, Joe Andalite, you've won the Super Bowl. Now where are you going? I said, <laughs> mimicking the Disney World commercials. I'm going to Earth to turn into a lobster. I don't understand. <laughs> <laughs> I started to explain, but then a red signal began to flash on Axe's homemade distress beacon. So everyone takes their places. The bug fighter comes in. Uh, and they attack. Um, they go after the hork and or specifically Rachel goes after the hork and, like, pins him in the ground. Uh, the hork stops fighting. The hork and the taxon are acting weird. They're kind of just standing around. Um, yeah, Marco makes the observation that it seems too easy. Yes. Uh, no hork controller had ever just given up like that. It's just like, but I had other problems. My job was to get inside the bug fighter and get the taxon pilot. Yep. Uh, but then uh, Draken beams slice the air in front of him, blocking his way. They turn and see that the all around the quarry up above them is lined with Hork-Bajir with Draken beams. Um, <clears throat> there must have been a hundred of them. We were surrounded, completely surrounded. Uh, Jake tells them to stay in morph. Rachel says, hey, let's charge them. And uh, actually, the dialogue tag isn't clear here, but I bet it's probably Jake Marco? still. It's either oh. Jake or Marco. Um, no, the you don't can't... be stupid makes me think it's Marco. That's, I don't know that Jake yeah, would say the that. Same too, yeah. No, you can't even climb up that rock face. Don't be stupid. Cassie tells Tobias to get away, but he won't be able to get up off the ground uh, before they shoot him so they kind of just stand there and realize that they're totally trapped because there's no way that they can get out of this situation um we get a really interesting bit here uh or at least i think it's interesting how frustrated rachel is Mm -hmm. uh, talking about how there has to be a way out let's charge them you know let's do something which really highlights how rachel Rachel needs to do things. Yes. She can't stand being trapped or being unable to act. Mm -hmm. Yeah. Mm -hmm. Um, uh, And then Visser 3 is here. Visser 3 is always here. Um, I like that we have this moment of he looked so much like Axe, so much like Prince Elfangor, and yet so totally different. The difference wasn't something you saw. It was something you felt. A shadow on your soul. A darkness that blotted out the light of the sun. Evil. Destruction. Not the impersonal programmed destructiveness of the ants. This was warm-blooded, deliberate evil. Yeah. Uh, and... <laughs> and then he starts monologuing. He, he does start monologuing. <laughs> um, I fucking love this Bond villain motherfucker. <laughs> He's such a prick. It's great. And he's just there, just like, well, well, I have you at last, my brave and light bandits. Fools, do you think we never change our frequencies? And Axe is just like screaming, like, screams yuck at him, and Vista 3 just like snaps, just like, a little one. Are the Andalites now reduced to using their children to fight? And Axe starts to say something, and Jake's just like, shut up, Axe. Yeah. <laughs> None of us communicate with him. Yeah. Um, and we have this moment just like, 
uh, Axe is just like practically vibrating with rage, and it makes sense because Vista Three mm. killed his brother. Uh, but Jake is right, and Vista Three is <laughs> Vista Three seemed to be enjoying his big moment. Uh, what a colourful assortment of morphs, he said. Earth has such wonderful animals, don't you agree? And I love that this is a horrible reflection of what Axe of was what just Axe, saying. Yes, yeah. I was going to point that out. Yeah. yeah, when we have enslaved the humans and made this planet over in our image, we'll have to be sure and keep some of these forms alive. It would be entertaining to try some of these morphs myself. Hmm. Uh, none of us said anything, at least not anything that was human. Jake did snarl, drawing his tiger lip back over his teeth. Especially you, Vista 3 said, Jake. That is a beautiful, <laughs> deadly animal. I approve. It's like you motherfucking cat person, you. <laughs> Such. Um, in fact, I was going to demand you demorph, but I have a better idea. You see, we have a guest aboard the mothership. It will be entertaining to show you to Vissa One as you are. I was sick with dread and fear, but not so afraid that I didn't notice a sneer in Vissa Three's tone when he said Vissa One. Jake thought, speak, whispers to Marco, who's like, did you catch that? Yeah, Vissa Three doesn't like Vissa One. Uh, Vista 3 gives a signal, blade ship shows up. Um, Rachel's just like, we're better off making a run for it. And Marco points out, like, it would be suicide as long as we're alive, there's hope. Um, and then, yeah, Vista 3 is taking us to the Yerk mothership to show, off, show us off for his boss, some hope. But Rachel did nothing, and I did nothing. And we all just stood there under the watchful eyes of a hundred Hawk Bajir. Yeah. Uh,. So they're marched on board the blade ship. Um, I do like the little detail of the door widening to accommodate uh, mm -hmm. the size of Rachel's elephant morph. Mm -hmm. Yeah. Um, it, Visser 3 takes them into space um, and takes them into uh, towards the mothership. Um, I, I love this moment where they're put in a cell um and then a little window opens yeah and it's like a show of things just like oh, they wanted them to see the blade ship or uh, the mothership but also just like they get to see earth yeah. and all of them are just like holy shit there's our planet mm -hmm. and this is just, they're both they're all feeling like so despairing about all the people that they can't reveal um because they're going to die and if they revealed themselves then their families could die and there's just like this horrifying crushing reality for all of them and then they get to see the earth mm -hmm. and it's lovely and we have this beautiful little moment through the eyes of the animals of earth but with the minds of human beings we look down at our planet our planet for now at least for a little while longer and then the the, uh, the blade ship rotates away and acts so that's why they opened a window so they could show us the mothership yeah. And we get a description of the mothership. And this is an ugly motherfucking ship. Uh -huh. <laughs> it's cool. It sounds very cool. Yeah. And I um, like that we get this description of these like jellyfish, these tendril jellyfish like hanging from the bottom of uh, this bloated sphere, mm -hmm. flatter on the bottom, more around on the top, and uh, how the legs are the engines. And um, are these three like bent up spidery legs around the sphere. And the tendrils are the weapons and sensors and energy collectors and explains about the uh, shipboard Candrona, which is um, that how the Yerks have to bathe in the Yerk pool and absorb the rays. Uh, is that there must be one on the planet too. And uh, Mark is just like, yeah, we know your brother told us for all the good it did us. Mm -hmm. And then 
It just hung in orbit like a predator gazing down hungrily at blue earth below. Mm-hmm. Um, Marco is t- thinking about how they're trapped and pathetic um, and fools. This wasn't even my fight, I thought. Not really. This wasn't my time to die. I guess I wanted to feel angry, but what I felt was numb as I trooped into the blade ship with the others. You know, like I wasn't really there almost. I was past feeling anything, I guess. I just kept thinking, it's happening. It's finally really happening. The next day was Sunday. My dad would go to my mom's grave, alone. It would be a while before he would admit that I, too, was gone. Just like when my mom died, there would never be a body. Just like my mom. Which is a terrible callback to last book when he nearly died in the Mm -hmm. ocean. Mm -hmm. And thought about how he was going to die like his mom. So, you know, that's nice. Mm-hmm. Um, they're brought... Oh, no, this other moment with Axe is really good, too. Um, Axe is giving them information about how the pool ship is shielded and can't be seen by radar. Um, I've never been in space before, Cassie said. I always wished I could. I always wanted to see Earth all in one piece like that. It's a lovely planet, Axe said gently. Not so different from mine, except that we have less ocean and more grassland. I am sorry that I brought you all to this. This is my fault. I wanted to yell, yes, yes, it is your fault. But Cassie said what we all knew in our hearts. Axe, you're only here because your people wanted to protect us. Your brother and a lot of Andalites died trying to save us. Nothing is your fault. It was true, but sometimes when everything hits the fan, you don't want the truth. You just want someone to blame. One too many missions, I muttered. This was going to be my last one. Now, well, it will still be my last one. Uh, And they dock with the Yerk mothership. Um, The blade ship comes to a halt. Uh, Axe says that they've been in more for 40% of allowable time. Um, Marco does the maths immediately, just like, so we've used 48 minutes, leaving, what, 72? Mm -hmm. Smart boy. (laughs) Yeah, Tobias confirmed, not a lot of time for you guys. Oh, buddy. Mm -hmm. Um, He suggests about what if they go out in, like, a blaze of glory attack as they do the door, uh, mm -hmm. as they open the door. And, like, I saw Jake extend his claws as if he were thinking about using them. He glanced at where the door had once been, like he was measuring the distance. I knew he was listening to the tiger in his head. Then he seemed to relax. No, we have to have hope. Oh, and this is where we have the cute little nuzzle mm-hmm. between Cassie and Jake. Um, I guess it should have been funny, the wolf and the tiger sharing a tender moment, but all it did was make me a little jealous. They had each other. Mm-hmm. We gave them a pretty good fight, didn't we? I said. A little circus. We did some damage to them. <sighs> <laughs> yes, we did. Rachel agrees. Mm-hmm. Yep. 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 Keep going, Jade, because I need a minute. Yep. Yep. <laughs> Just okay. Keep I'll carry on reading this, and then <laughs> we have this moment. Uh, while while the people that know how the series ends gather their shit. Um. Um. <laughs> uh, Axe like hesitantly asks if humans fear death. And Marco's just like, yeah, we're not crazy about it. How about how about Earth? How are Andalites? And, and Act just replies, we're also not crazy about it. <laughs> Which is just less... I love when we get these little moments of similarity. 
Mm-hmm. But like, because mm-hmm. Axe is a child like they are. And for all the vast differences, they have these moments of unity. Yeah. Yeah. And I like that he and Marco have that moment where like Marco is the one who's comforting Axe there. Yep. I'm going to go looking for ship stuff later. <laughs> I might be able to find some non spoilery things. Ooh, thank you. Or stuff that's just like post series that doesn't dwell too much on any specifics is all good. But anyway, <laughs> there, um, there is no post series stuff that doesn't dwell on specifics. Well, you know. Eh. <laughs> but um, so we get this view of um, running, uh, loads of people, Hawk, Bajir, and Taxons and humans running in, running around. And Marco notices that there are two distinct kind of uniforms. One's red and black, the other's gold and black. Uh, and the people in brown uniforms around the edges, like they were less important. Uh, the door opens, or the window stretches open into a doorway. Uh, fetid air rushes in, swelling of oil and chemicals and something else. A ramp rose up from the steel floor outside to meet us. And they're, sat there standing like a display at the top of the ramp. Uh, Marco notices there's about 200 creatures around. Um, mostly in red and black, 200 creatures standing in stiff rows arranged by species. About a quarter of the total were in gold and black, and there were more humans in this group, but mm. also some unusually massive hawk vizier. And Marco points out to Jake how he doesn't think the reds like the golds, and Axe says that he thinks they're the troops of two different vissas, and that how his brother talked about how each vissa has its own private army in their own uniforms. If you didn't need more of a clue that these guys are fascists, I guess... <laughs> Um, and Marco makes very delicious swell I wonder which group gets to have us Uh, and then a party of creatures uh, walks up to the front Vista 3's there with two big hawk bajir in red and just to his left was a human a human woman with dark hair and very dark eyes that was when I stopped breathing because I knew even before I could see her face clearly I knew they marched up to the bottom of the ramp, a dozen soldiers leveled dragon beams at us just in case we wanted trouble. Then in thought speak, the all could hear Vessa 3 turns to the woman beside him. You see, Vessa 1, I have taken the Andalite bandits. The crisis is over. Your trip here is wasted and you can return to the homeworld. Vessa 1 nodded. She looked up at us with those dark brown human eyes. Eyes I knew. Eyes I remembered. The same eyes that watched me sleep every night from the framed picture beside my bed. My mother. Thistle one. So, Jade, did you see that coming? That's the thing I was fairly certain I knew. Mm -hmm. Okay. Because I'd spoken to Danielle about it, and I was Mm -hmm. before we said, just like, I'm fairly certain I think Marco's mom is Vissel one. And she was, uh, and they were just like, oh, yeah, no, you find that out pretty quick in the books. It's fine. It's not really that big a deal. And I'm like, oh. And let's put out. Daniel, you did say it's not that big a deal. You find it out in book five. <laughs> <laughs> but yeah, so. Uh, but yes, if I hadn't known, I feel like that would have been a really efficient wham moment mm-hmm. because I was fairly certain that was the case with the amount that we'd talked about his mum in the book right. coming up to it. But still, like, I don't think knowing it makes it feel any less emotionally impactful because of how Marco reacts mm-hmm. to it. Yeah, yeah, I still get goosebumps when I read it. Like, Yeah. yeah. And he just fucking sits down. Yeah. Uh, just like in this big gorilla morph. Just... 
mm-hmm. and uh, his mother's there, not dead, alive, and he wants to yell it's th- that it's him. And Jake is just like, don't say anything, don't do anything, do you hear it, do you hear me? And I was just like, so I wasn't imagining it, Jake had recognised her too. Marco, listen to me, man, you have to hold it together. And Marco's just there just trying to process the fact that his mother's alive, understandably, and Jake's just like, come on, you've got to stand up, don't make them suspicious. And like, this is Marco hardcore disassociating here, and like, his mm-hmm. vo- Jake's voice seems to be far away, he didn't seem to understand. And like, this is Marco's mum. And he's like, Marco, that's not your mother. Not anymore. That's not her. Jake, it's my mum. Look at her. No, it isn't, Marco. Not anymore. They have her. She's one of them. One of them. And then we get Vissa 3 being like, why Vissa 1? You seem to have frightened the humanoid one. And she's just like, it's called a gorilla. You <laughs> idiot. If you're going to be in charge of Earth, Vissa 3, you should at least learn something about the planet. <laughs> They're just like, and take a human host body like you did? No, I think not. Human bodies are weak. I much prefer this Andalite body. Or oh, Andalite host. Swish, swish. He does, no, swish, swish is me ad-libbing, by the way. He doesn't say swish, swish. <laughs> um, and then Vissa one just like, oh, my mother looked at him and curled her lip. I took a human host and learned about the planet and the humans, and because of that I was able to begin the invasion that you have now endangered with your criminal incompetence. <laughs> just like yes queen (laughs) it's like this is not the right reaction to have but i just like when baddies snip at each other because it's fun for me yeah their uh relationship slash rivalry rivalry is very good yes Mm -hmm. love a couple of bitchy gays just being snippy at each other Uh, okay, Rachel said, I think we were right. These two definitely don't like each other. <laughs> like, all of the, tr- all of the, the red versus gold troops are all, like, tensing up, getting ready to fight each other. Um, Marco realizes that Rachel, Cassie, and Tobias don't know that Mr. One is his mom. Jake kept the talk private. Um, this was three- the only one who had known her yes. as Marco's mm-hmm. mom. Yes. Uh, Visser 3 relaxes, realizing that Visser 1 is trying to provoke him. Um, and he's, he basically says, that's why I'm going to be Visser 1. Mm-hmm. <laughs> and and, and Visser she's just one. like, you want to be Visser 1. <laughs> I just, this bitchiness is great. I just, I love mm-hmm. it so much. Yep. Be careful of but your it- own ambition, says Visser 1. Mm-hmm. Jesus Christ. Um, yeah. But yeah, like this whole moment of like Vissa 3 bragging, just like, mm-hmm. I destroyed the Andalite forces, I shot down their dome ship, I killed Prince Elfangle myself and heard his dying screams, and now I have eliminated this last pathetic rabble of Andalites. And Vissa 1, Marco's mom, just smiles, just like, okay, you think you can take my title? We'll see. The Candle of 13 does not like Vissas who make mistakes, and you have made mistakes. And just snaps her fingers and walk, and all the guys in gold leave mm-hmm. and then she walks away she's like swish it's amazing yeah um yeah and like marco has this revelation like he's like trying to re- like this is not my mom this is that's Vissel one uh or mm-hmm. the creature that called herself Vissel one Vissel one was the yerk and mm-hmm. he's like but the sickening thing is you see that the host mind is still alive it is still aware somewhere inside that head behind those painfully familiar eyes my mother still lived 
And there's some stuff, the thoughts that Marco has later about trying to how long has she been infested. Yeah. And it's just mm-hmm. crushing to yep. read. Yeah. Um, but yeah, so Jake's just trying to talk Marco back from the ledge, as it were. Um, I know I much you want to do something. And Marco's like, I know, and hates himself for not trying, but there was nothing he could have do. He had to stay hidden and feeling weak as well. And he says mm-hmm. it's a very strange feeling to have while inside a gorilla. Mm-hmm. So I think right then, if I'd been any other morph, I would have just surrendered and let the animal mind take over, let instinct rule and wash away my human emotions. But the gorilla was too much like a human. Its instincts were gentle. Like humans, it was a creature with emotions. It could not protect me from the pain. <sighs> it's fine. Uh, it's fine. And then we have this moment where Mark is just like, don't tell the others. Mm-hmm. And Jake's okay. You can't even tell Cassie. And Jake's just like, you're my oldest and best friend. No one is ever going to know from me. Yeah. And then we have some Vista 3, just like six andalite bodies. <laughs> yeah. And uh, Axe is just like, bitch. <laughs> he, he doesn't say bitch. Um, <laughs> I know I don't need to clarify, but also it's becoming part of the brand of this podcast where I swear <laughs> in one reading their lines and then say they don't swear. Um, yeah. But Axe is just like, there'll be others like you, Filth, other Andalite controllers, more unnatural abominations like your vile self. And Vista 3 proving that he's not just an egomaniac despot. It's just like, why are you the only one who speaks? You're right, of course. Why would I allow anyone to acquire Andalite morphing powers? But you are a child. Why do the others remain silent? And why do you all still hide in your morphs? Curious. Very curious. It's like, oh, buddy, you are so close to having like an <laughs> actual good idea. And he's just like, eh, take him back to the show. Yeah. <laughs> Triple the guard if there's the slightest shock. I'm just like, would he realize the truth? Would he figure out the reason we remained silent so we wouldn't guess we were human? Would he figure out that was why we stayed off? He does not give a shit. <laughs> <laughs> no thoughts, only ambition. Yep. Uh, they take them to a prison. Uh, very similar to the one that they were in on the blade ship, but without a window. Everyone kind of sits down. Um, uh, Axe time check from Axe. Yep, only 30% of your time left, 36 minutes. Um, and and everyone starts talking about their plans for escape and how they know it's just talk. Mm -hmm. Um, and, uh, like, even they were board the ship, even if they could go to learn their way around, they'd still be in a maze and how there's hundreds, probably thousands of other people there, uh, mm-hmm. including humans. And then we get into this reflection with Marco about his mother being Vissel One, the most powerful of the Vissers, and had and starts asking these questions like if she'd been taken earlier, if she'd been a controller in the last few years, she was at home and has all these, he has all these memories. And it starts questioning whether that had been a yerk playing the part mm-hmm. or whether it was his mother. Yeah. And this is so upsetting to read. Yeah. Uh, and even as he gets to that, he says, uh, one thing was sure her death had been faked. The so called drowning accident, no body recovered, but the body had been recovered, hadn't it? The yerk's mission had been accomplished, the invasion of Earth had been started. Yep. Vissa 1 was leaving Earth in the hands of Vissa 3, and so she had to disappear and not leave anyone asking questions. Yep. 
He muses how much of what I thought was my mother had been one of them. Um, all of it an act, all of it fake for how many years. I think we learn later that it wasn't quite like Tom, where Tom just quit everything that he cared about and started joining the sharing. Um, but we learn later that uh, Peter and Eva, which is his mom and dad, uh, fought a lot. And then all of a sudden they didn't fight anymore. No, I don't know that it was that they fought a lot. I think, yeah. you know, he was, we get later Marco's dad talking about how, you know, they used to fight sometimes, the kind of yeah. normal fight that couples have. Yeah. But then, yeah. what is it, like the last year, I think? Mm-hmm. Or was it two years? I can't remember. It was like a year to two years before yeah, she you know, And he's kind of wistfully thinking like, oh, you know, that was just the best time in our marriage. We never fought. Yeah. You know, everything Jesus. was perfect. Yeah. Ooh. And then yeah. Marco's, Marco's there like, oh, God, that was it. That, that, that's yeah. when it happened. Because Visser One didn't have time for little marital squabbles, you know. Yes. She was just playing the part to keep everything smooth until she could get out of there. Yeah, she is, and yeah. It, it hurts a lot. Uh-huh. Yeah. <laughs> yep. Uh, so yeah, so we have this moment, and uh, and Rachel's just like, "There has to be something we can do." And Axe is just like, "My people have a saying: grace is the ex- is the acceptance of the inevitable." Yeah. I said something like, well, I don't accept. That's what they want. They want the entire human race to lie down and, and accept the inevitable. Jake turns his big yellow tiger eyes on me. I saw Tobias's eternally fierce glare. I stood up. I have a saying for you. I got it from a fortune cookie. Fall down seven times, get up eight. You know what that means? That means you don't ever just lie there. You always get up. You always come back for more. You never surrender. Maybe you die, but you never surrender. And they're all looking at him now. And he's just like, ants, we can morph into ants again. And Cassie's like, you're saying that. I thought you hated it as much as I do. But he's like, I did, but it may work. We morph to ants. Maybe there's a crack in here. We escape into the walls, the machines. We hide. We morph into something else. And Rachel's just like, that's nuts. I like it. Um, and Jake's just like, yeah, we could hear them before they catch up with us, except for Tobias. And Tobias, oh, you have to uh-huh. do what's right for the group. I'll have to take my chances. I'd feel better knowing you guys were still out there somewhere making trouble for the Yerks. It's just like, uh-huh. buddy boy. Um, and Axe just like, it could work. They're not familiar with morphing except for Vista 3. They might not expect an insect morph. And they're ready to do this. And then the door opens. And there are three gold-uniformed hawk bajir lying on the floor of four other hawk Bajir, either dead or unconscious. Yeah. And like Jake's just like don't move as he sees Rachel and uh, and Marco ready to go. And this yeah. Hawk Bajir speaks to them um and doesn't use the mishmash of languages the Hawk Bajir normally use. This one sounded like he'd been educated at Harvard. Just like mm, okay, starting to get a vibe of how Fissa One does things then. Mm-hmm. Um and this Hawkbajir gives them directions how to get out. Yep. Uh, gives them exact layout where what the numbers are going to be, about what doorway to take, drop shaft, to get to an escape pod, and explains that Rachel will be too big, so she'll need to demorph. And there's all the information. The pod will take you back to Earth. The pod then will self-destruct when you land. Do you get it? And Tobias is the first to say it's a trap. And Mark is like, no, we're already trapped. They could kill us any time. 
And Axe points out that this is politic. Or Ma- Axe points out that this is Vissa 1 soldiers and how embarrassing it'd be for Vissa 3 if his prisons sh- prisoners should escape. No. And Cassie is the one that goes, it's politics. Vissa 1 is making Vissa 3 look bad. And if we escape, it'll all be blamed on Vissa 3. And the but Hawk Bajir is just like, you're going to have to deal with any troops you encounter on the way on the way to the pod. You need to go now. And Axe is just like, we've got 15% of time left, about 18 minutes, and they go. Rachel in front. Yep. <laughs> and Dasha's like, she squeezes her massive ton- tonnage into the way. All right, now let's see who wants to try and stop me. Womp, 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 womp. <laughs> and it's just, it's great. And she doesn't even slow down when they get to the guard station. Uh, I saw a flash of Taxon foolishly running as if to cut her off. A few seconds later, I had to jump over the crushed remains of the big centipede. <laughs> Did you have a note about Marco and Rachel ready to attack Jen? Um, just briefly. I kind of picked up on it when I was reading it this last time that, you know, we obviously expect Rachel to be the one to just be always ready to jump right in and, you know, fight. But it's it's new and it's like I think a you know, a good indication that Marco's entire motivation and, you know, feelings towards this war is already changed in these just few minutes since he's learned about his mom. And now he's right there with Rachel, not really thinking about the strategy and just ready to jump in and give it everything he's got. Mm-hmm. Um, so I, yeah. I like that it was the two of them mm. who were very just good. there ready to ready to jump right in. Yeah, for sure. And we have this like action-packed sequence of like a Hawk Bajir like busting in, um, and Tobias trying to keep everybody informed on how Rachel can't turn around and help. Mm-hmm. Um, and like has this observation of I knew it couldn't be that easy. And God, this fucking hurt me. Hmm. Um, Axe sounding like he was announcing a party just goes battle. Just like <laughs> hooray. I'm just like, mm, I'm gonna take the fucking propaganda juice away from this kid. Like, no, <laughs> no more Kool Aid for you. No. Um, but I do like said so he that Mark is like I felt the same way. I was ready. I was mad and tired of feeling helpless. And then there's this Hawk Bashirs come sw- come swinging at him, and uh, he says, like I said, gorillas are peaceful, almost gentle creatures, but don't go making one angry, especially not when a boy who wants very badly to hurt some yurks is sharing space in the gorilla's head, and just like punches this uh, Hawk Bashir and lifts it clear off the desk, who slams into the ceiling, and then is like out of the fight. Uh, Axe takes out another one, and they have this cute little good one. Axe, you as well, haha! I decided right then. I kind of liked Axe, and I'm just there, just like, mm-hmm. <laughs> <laughs> as I believe I said, claps hands in delighted shiver. <laughs> yes, good. Um, but yeah, they they get back on the mission. Like, keep moving, get out of there. Um, Jake takes out a couple in tiger form, which is badass. Hawk mm-hmm. Bajir are very fast, but so are tigers. <laughs> um, and then we get this yell through the thought speech as Drake, Rachel finds the drop shaft. <laughs> I um, love this. It's <laughs> <laughs> just like, ah, Rachel? <laughs> it's okay, I found the drop shaft. I am <laughs> dropping. <laughs> what is it? <laughs> An elevator without a floor. <laughs> <laughs> Sounds horrifying. I hate it. 
Um, and Mark was just like, he said to stop after 50 levels. Yeah, how do I do that? And Axe is just like, it's just think the number. It's his speech and understand simple thought speak commands. At least how that works in our ship. <laughs> um, and the other kids just sort of like jumping down the drop shaft afterwards. And Marco says it might have been fun if, you know, given there wasn't different circumstances um it talks about how 12 levels down passes a human controller who had a very human look of total amazement on his face probably because while standing there he said a flying elephant followed by a gorilla a wolf an andalite and a tiger which is <laughs> just such a good fucking visual like holy shit um and then there's another hawk Bajir, like coming down the drop shaft after them but there's nothing any of them can do but tobias is just like he's mine and flies back up and does his uh, usual slashing the eyes trick, um, mm. which is just fucking dope. And I guess the he whole was mm -hmm. I guess he was too distracted to think about what floor he was heading to. He shot past us as we slowed to step onto the 15th level. <laughs> mm -hmm. And we have this lovely moment, actually. This really made my heart go in a good way. And they like, Rachel has to demorph. <clears throat> uh, and they're trying to get to the escape pod. And how Rachel's stumbling because her, her she's got legs that have no feet. Mm -hmm. uh, as she's morphing back and like Marco just picks her up and mm -hmm. uh, she was still large maybe 300 pounds but not too much for me to carry mm -hmm. just like this visual of Marco picking her up to carry her yeah just, it's just very good it is very good and uh, they all squeeze into this escape pod <clears throat> uh, with like six minutes left and uh, the escape pod ejects and the kids uh, demorph and uh, they can see earth below them and as the ship is rotating um, and we have this moment just like and as the tiny ship turned I could see the Yerk mothership it was kind of a joke now I thought the Yerk mothership my mother on the Yerk mothership <laughs> and I was annoyed at myself because I'd had that gag thought in my head after we were just like <laughs> mothership oh fuck god damn it what have I done I need to fight Richard this is his fault <laughs> So. Yeah. But then we have a moment uh, between Jake and Marco mm. before they become fully human. Well, before I became, speak. yeah, before I became fully human again, before I lost the ability to thought speak and had to return to words spoken out loud, I said, "Jake, yeah, Marco. No one ever finds out. No one can ever know." Okay, Marco, he said. My mother died two years ago tomorrow. That's how it will be, my friend. Yeah, but someday. Someday, somehow, in some way that I could not foresee, we would win this battle. Humans and Andalites together would defeat the Yerks, and we would free all of their slaves. All of them. Someday, I whispered again. Someday, Marco, Jake said. I... And it kills me. Um, mm -hmm. This yep. kills the Danielle. Um, also, I do... I hate and I like that they're bonding over this shared trauma of a loved one being yerked. Yeah. Um, and they're like the only two who can really understand each other in this. Um, and that burning need to defeat the yerks and free all of the slaves. Um, mm -hmm. Because it has hit home in a way that is extremely personal. You know, yeah. more more personal than Cassie, like, we have to save the Earth. More per more personal than Tobias, like, this is all I have in the world. And even more personal than Rachel's, like, I have to fight for all of the parents, for all of the children who think their parents don't love them anymore. Um, this 
vengeance-like. Uh, we will free them. Yeah, and I hate that in in the first book when you know Marco and Jake first have the realization that Tom is a controller, mm-hmm. and you know Jake's all gung ho and ready to fight the war, and you know obviously Marco is reluctant, and one of his kind of arguments of why they should not get involved is to Jake, you know, how are you going to handle it when it's your own brother you have to fight? And he's all smug about it, thinking, like, that's surely going to make Jake stop and think. And now he's in the exact same situation, and... And Jake is reacting with grace and compassion, yeah. Yeah. Uh, One thing I noted here, and he, although it's never explicitly said where he, he uses the words all of them, I actually found this like super interesting. Um, this and this sort of calls back to helping the old man mm-hmm. right at the top of the book, mm-hmm. and this thing with Marco having this awareness, and um, he takes on responsibilities that isn't his. And I, it's been such a long time since I did philosophy, mm-hmm. but. Marco has this awareness of a responsibility to think something's much bigger than himself. Mm-hmm. And while this might have been the impetus to kick his ass fully into gear or fully recommit to the mission, he can't switch off yeah. that awareness of other people, which he's the strategist. He pays attention to the moving parts. He can't not. But when he talks about wanting to free everybody, and how everyone needs to come all together to do it. Mm-hmm. That isn't just about his mom and Tom. That's like how many other people are in the same situation as me? Yeah. How many people will this fuck up? And that's seeing Earth from the outside. And oh my God, cat, I swear to God, I know you are hungry. You get fed <laughs> in 15 minutes. He's just jumped on something he's not supposed to. Don't you look at me like that, young man. <laughs> mm. But yes, so... Back to the very serious bit of emotion I was trying to have. <laughs> you having fun? Yeah. <laughs> I love my cats. They're the best. They never cause me any aggravation when I'm trying to record podcasts at all. <laughs> but yes, so we have, it's interesting for me to see the reflection and like seeing Marco's mission statement, as it were. Mm-hmm. It might be the impetus might be his mum, but his commitment isn't to freeing her, it's to freeing everybody. Yeah. And that is so telling about the kind of person he is, even if he doesn't want to be. Because mm-hmm. he thinks about the big picture right. and he can't ignore it. And then the next day, he and his dad go to where his mom's grave is. Specifically, he says, but the place where my mom is remembered is as nice as it can be. He hates going there. Hmm. Um, My dad and I stood a few feet apart. We didn't say anything. We both just kind of cried. You probably wouldn't think I was the kind of guy who would cry. Mostly, I don't. Mostly, I make jokes about things. It's better to laugh than to cry, don't you think? I do. Even when the world is scary and sad. Especially when the world is scary and sad. That's when you need to laugh. 
And that is fucking mm-hmm. Marco's mm-hmm. philosophy yeah, in a nutshell. That sums mm-hmm. up Marco in a paragraph. Um, and then he and his dad have a really good moment. Um, his dad says two years and he takes a deep breath like it was hard for him to breathe. Um, look, Marco, I've been thinking. I haven't been a very good father to you. It wasn't a question, so I didn't say anything. Which makes me wonder how he would have answered. Hmm. Um, your mom, he had to stop for a moment to get his voice under control. Your mom would not be happy about the way I've been these last two years. What could I say? I decided to say nothing. Um, but, uh, Peter has talked to his old boss back when he had a regular job. Um, uh, about getting his job back. I guess we have to live, huh? I mean, we can't, you know, another heavy breath. Your mom wouldn't want us to give up, would she? Uh, it was a big thing, a big decision. I guess what I should have done was run over to him and give him a hug and tell him I was proud of him. I was proud of him, but that's not me. Oh, dad, you never could figure computers out, especially games. And they share a laugh um, and go back and forth a little bit. Uh, And I think it's really, I mean, again, it's quintessentially Marco that they're having this really deep moment. uh, And then Marco makes a joke and, Mm -hmm. you know, uh, starts that going back and forth. that we've seen him do this so many times. The jokes are for him, but they're also for the other person yeah. as well, just to retreat mm-hmm. into because mm-hmm. that's easier. Just like, oh, that was a heavy moment for everybody. Let's hear, let me make it lighter for all of us. Yeah. Uh, I couldn't stop him from giving me a hug. I guess I didn't mind all that much. We walked away from my mother's gravestone, the stone that marked the death of a woman who was not dead. I raised my mind. My eyes up to the sky, the blue sky of Earth, my home. She was probably gone from the mothership now, off to some other corner of the galaxy. But wherever she was, no matter how far, I would find her someday. And that's book five. (sighs) That's book five. Yep. Yeah. Yep. It's a lot, y'all. It is a lot. (sighs) So, Jade? Mm-hmm. How, how do you feel? Emotional, Danielle! <laughs> <laughs> Did it live up to what you wanted Marco's first book to be? Hmm. I think I, I think so. I, I was aware that I was making less notes in the doc as I went through than I have done in previous books. I don't know whether that was because I was very hooked into what was going on mm-hmm. or because I was purposely sort of like, I'm not sure. But I read it and I was just like, yes, good. This is my child. Maybe it's just because I was being swept up along with it mm-hmm. more. I really enjoy him as a narrator, I will say. Mm-hmm. And not just because of um, my predilection for the character, but like the way he does things. Yeah. Uh, hearing his reasoning, but also like the way he describes action sequences is good. Mm-hmm. And I like that he does not shy away from describing the horror aspect of morphs. Mm-hmm. Like, nobody makes morphing sound pretty, but, like, Morpho's, Marco's really good at the dr- really gross imagery. Yes. So. Yep. What about you, Jen? How do you feel? 
Oh, you know. <laughs> um, these first few books are definitely the ones in the series that I have read and reread the most over mm-hmm. the years. So, like, well, I would say I know them very well, except I always forget that there are ants in this book. Um, <laughs> but it is really interesting to me to be reading them now because the first time I read this, I was nine. Mm-hmm. You know, like, so when you're nine, I got the very surface level animorphs, right? Like, I mm-hmm. I got that Marco is the, is you know, the jokester, and that I got that he was smart, and that he, it's a planner, but, like, as an adult, having, you know, had a life, and, you know, more experiences, you, you see so many more layers to it, mm-hmm. um, and can relate to so much more. Um, and so it is really gratifying to also be able to have someone to talk to about it and bounce ideas off because I had no other friends who read Animorphs at the same time I did as a kid. Mm -hmm. So for a decade, I was reading and rereading these books nonstop and it was just all in my head. Like, Mm -hmm. so it's been really nice in the last few years kind of to have this (laughs) resurgence of interest yeah, and to actually have, you know kind of a sounding board and meta and to really be able to really sink your teeth into it in a mm-hmm. deeper way. Yeah. Mm-hmm. But yeah. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. <laughs> uh, I feel like my soul has been removed with a melon baller. So, mm-hmm. You know, there's that. I, yeah. Uh, this this book hits hard. It continues to hit hard. Um, yeah. It 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 hits hard in an entirely different way from Tobias's book, because Tobias's mm-hmm. book is fucking heavy as shit. Oh yes. Um, but it's all extremely introspective. Um, whereas this, this is all heavy as shit, but also like encompasses a lot more than just Marco. Right. What Um, I think I find interesting, and this sort of relates to, um, a little bit to, uh, the point that Joel made, um, mm -hmm. we were talking about, uh, he hadn't really notice the character building before it, on previous reads about how uh, each of these early books are setting up the character's reasons to fight. Mm-hmm. Um, and what plays into this and what I think makes this book so interesting and also so weighty is Marco has a level of self-awareness. Mm-hmm. And th- it plays into like the strategist role of who he is, but he is aware of his own behavior in a way I don't necessarily think some of the others are. Mm-hmm. Or like he can... The others might be aware of it, but he makes judgments on his own behavior mm-hmm. in a way I find upsetting in the interesting way. Like, because yeah. he is, he's 13. Mm-hmm. And it's part of why, while I find some of his like, oh, she's such a babe and some of the shit he comes out with, part of me wants to forgive it more when he acts just like an idiot teenager mm-hmm. because so much of the time he doesn't think like one. Yeah. I'm not to say that teenagers can never be introspective or whatever, but reading it, it feels like such an adult way 
to uh, think about things. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. Yeah. That is upsetting to me as a 34-year-old. <laughs> like looking at that going, oh, no, you shouldn't have to be thinking about yourself like this. Ah. Yeah. No. Hate that for him. Yeah. Uh, Joel's other point about the grief in this book that runs all the way through it, um, that not mm. everyone reacts to the same to it. Marco's judgment of his father's grief versus his own in this is this interesting tension. Mm-hmm. Um, and, you know, it comes up in multiple occasions. We know when Marco has his nightmare that he has the thought that sometimes he wishes he would tell his dad to snap out of it. Um, uh, but he doesn't. And here at the end where his dad is like, I'm going to make an effort to live again. <laughs> and mm-hmm. Marco is like, I'm proud of him. And like having to be proud of your father for making the choice mm-hmm. to live again is a lot. Yeah. Um, but then also and recognizing choosing- that that's what he's doing, you know, yeah. that it, mm-hmm. he's making a conscious choice to, as he said, snap out of it and, mm-hmm. and try to pick up the pieces. Yeah. Yeah. Um, recognizing that it's a big decision that he's mm-hmm. making. Um, and also choosing not to ex- not to express that praise in the same way that he didn't express his frustration before. Um, yeah. right. It's very non-judgmental either way. Mm-hmm. Like, I am not going to call you out on being shitty. Right. Mm-hmm. I was so I'm not going to praise you for making a good choice. Right, because... Right. Praising it would be acknowledging that, yeah, it's, you have been kind of a shit dad for two years. Yeah. Mm-hmm. But mm-hmm. so to just kind of acknowledge it and let it happen. Mm. It's a very gracious thing to do. Yes. In the same way that Jake graciously accepts, like, my going, yeah, no, you're right, we're going to do this. Mm-hmm. Yeah. And in the same way that Marco is gracious in all of these little moments that y'all have pointed out where it's a really heavy moment. And so he makes a joke to divert from it, to give the other people some privacy Um, in the same way that he likes to make jokes to divert from his own vulnerability a lot of the time. Oh, Um, yeah. Because he he recognizes that he doesn't want to necessarily share that with other people. Mm-hmm. And I think that is kind of the big difference between Marco and Peter is like Peter is, has very much been living his grief. Um, and Marco made the decision like, no, I have to, this, this can, this is only for me. Um, I can't, I can't express my grief because then it will bring everyone else down with me in the same way that my dad is kind of doing that. Marco doesn't want to be a burden. Yeah. He doesn't <clears throat> ever want to... It's the way he's so reluctant to talk about things. Like, he owns his shit mm-hmm. in a way that I think it's true of young carers. I think we've talked about this a little bit with Marco before. Marco's like, my shit is my business. You don't get to see my dad like this. Mm-hmm. No, I'm not going to tell you how I'm feeling. Mm-hmm. You don't get to have that. It's mine to bear. Yeah. And that's horrifying for a child to feel like that. Mm-hmm. Yeah. And it makes his moments of compassion and grace. Ugh. It's one of those things like how um, 
that's that old adage of just like uh, clowns are always very depressed people. Like the funniest people mm-hmm. are, the, are the saddest. Like mm-hmm. some of the greatest comedians of of all time have been very depressed people, mm-hmm. but who bring joy to the world to try and make the world more bearable for themselves and but also for other people because they don't want other people to feel like they do. Mm-hmm. Big depression mood, just like I don't want anyone to feel as shit as me. Yeah, if I can stop other people feeling like I feel or even coming close to how I feel, oh, well, I'm going to do it. Mm-hmm. And they can never know how much I'm struggling. Just just look at the funny man dance. Mm-hmm. So, which is just makes me love the moment with Marco and Jake even more when he first sees mm-hmm. Visser one. Yeah. And none of the others know. I mean, mm-hmm. obviously he's a gorilla, so it's, mm-hmm. you know, a little easier maybe to kind of hide what you're feeling, but Jake knows immediately and is there mm-hmm. in his head like get it together. It's okay. Here's what we're going to do. Here's what you need to do. You know, mm-hmm. I understand what you're feeling, but we have to push through it. Yeah. And he's, but he's not, he, he yeah, gets he, it. He never asks Marco, do you want to talk about it? Because he right. knows that's not Marco's style. Just like, I'm going to tell Marco what he needs right. to yeah. get through this. Right. Yeah. And Jake is, as one of Jake's quote, gifts and strengths, I suppose, is he knows how to get people to do what they need to do. Yep. He knew what Marco needed in that moment, just like he knew what he needed to say to Cassie, just like he knew mm-hmm. how to get the best thing out of Rachel. Uh-huh. Uh-huh. Yeah. Uh-huh. uh-huh. This is uh-huh. great. This is like this unison of slightly distressed <laughs> yeah. people. Uh-huh. It's like going up to the oracles at the temple, just like, I've got a bad feeling about this. Yeah. And everyone's there just like... <laughs> yeah, he sure does know how to get people to do what he needs them to do. Uh-huh. Uh-huh. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. He knows he knows how to manipulate his sh- soldiers perfectly. Yeah. It's deep it's soul crushing and Yeah. It is. Very interesting and good storytelling that hurts my soul place. <laughs> yes. I can't I can't wait to join Jen and Danielle in the dip in the depths of suffering when I am fully <laughs> when I have full context for everything. Oh. <sighs> yeah. Yeah. Yep. <laughs> we are at time, friends. We are at should time. We do, we a, should, do a wrapping up. We should do a wrapping up. Do you want to say what your favorite part was? Hmm. From an action perspective, I really liked the escaping from the cell, like mm-hmm. the 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 exit from the mothership. Mm-hmm. I particularly enjoyed. Mm-hmm. Um. That's all I can remember. I've forgotten the rest of the book. Um, <laughs> I mean, Ants yeah. wasn't your favorite part? Mm. No, no. I, I like Marco so much, it's hard to sort of pinpoint. But like, as a as a fun story beat, that was mm-hmm. like, and it was really fun to get to read it again as we, mm-hmm. as we were talking about mm-hmm. it. Yeah. So there was lots of narratively satisfying stuff, but a lot of it just made me really sad. So that <laughs> bit was just like, yeah, they get enough of mothership. Woo! <laughs> Kick ass, children. More yeah. pain. Uh, what about you, Jen? Um, I mean, I've kind of been talking about it as we've gone through, but just all the Jake Marco friendship we get mm-hmm. in this book, I really enjoy that. Yeah, um, for real. Yeah. Um, I what think about you, Daniel. I think my favorite part is when. He when they see Visser one and Marco has his reaction because I've read that scene a lot. I read it I think three or four times just in the process of getting ready for this episode, and literally every single time I read it, 
I get goosebumps. Mm. <clears throat> Let Which, me tell you, I am horrified to find out what Danielle has planned for Vissel One in Dungeons <laughs> Playing Hero. Get to find out today. The fear is real. Yeah. Have y'all met to... Visser One in Dumb Kids yet? I'm not, not caught yet. up. No, okay. they have not. Okay. Uh yeah. It's I don't I don't want to spoil you. Um but it Oh my god, be I just realized you dropped a picture of the mothership. Holy cow, that thing is cool. <laughs> <laughs> I love Brian. What is that and how do I steal one? Um all right. Uh okay, let's do sign-offs, I guess. Jen, thank you so much for joining us. Thanks Thank for you. having me. I'm uh I hope that you come back to do another book at some point. I absolutely will. I mean, as you know, flailing about animorphs with you is probably <laughs> one of my top five favorite activities. So I'm happy to come back whenever y'all will have me. <laughs> absolutely. Um my co-host has been Jade. You can find them on Twitter at JadeOxfordRose. You can find the actual play podcasts that they are on uh at FTLcast and at DKPHpod. Uh that's Follow the Leader and Dumb Kids Playing Hero, respectively. And my co-host has been Danielle. You can find them on Twitter at redtailedhawk 90 You can hear them GMing at Dumb Kids Playing Hero at the Twitter address. You just heard, and you can hear them playing uh, a Wine Evans, who's fucking dope, over <laughs> on um, the room where it happened, which you can find at Roomware Pod on Twitter. All right. Okay, let's do one more clap at 05. 05.